I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. There are certain phrases in a life of faith that you hear repeated, sometimes from the pulpit, sometimes from quote-unquote Catholic influencers. You see it in memes or on posters or decorative art for your home, or you hear a podcast host quote it from time to time, God's got good plans for you, or some variation of that phrase, or you make plans and God laughs, or always be open to the plans of God. And it's very easy to say those things or to throw them up on some artwork that you hang in your home or to hear them on a podcast. It's a lot harder to sometimes believe those plans. Perhaps reading sacred scripture could make us more aware of how that phrase has been said for centuries, for a lifetime of the church, and far beyond that. But sometimes we are shown that reality right in front of our faces without even really realizing it until we're in the midst of it. And this week's podcast episode with Dr. Andrew Glicksman from the University of Dallas is a snapshot of God has really good plans. See, when we sit down to craft a season of Ave Explorers, we come up with a list of names of people that we'd like to interview. Everything from this particular person who has this particular story, and we're going to talk about this particular thing. We come up with our master list. We start reaching out to people. And every now and then, Certain parts of the season come together very easy, and certain parts of the season are a little more difficult because the topic is very specific and we need a particular person. And, and we could go back into the annals of all of the episodes that we've done for Ave Explorers and tell you story after story of how we scored this interview or how this direction was taken in the conversation. Well, for Ave Explorers, the Bible, we started planning, of course, in the summer and reaching out to people and conducting our interviews. And this topic today on the Old Testament, well, we kept running into roadblocks. We'd invite somebody to come on the show and, and we'd schedule a time to record and something would happen. Internet would be lost or somebody got COVID or there was a miscommunication about the time. And well, we were struggling. We were struggling to find somebody to sit down with us and talk about the Old Testament. So we were just going to call it a wash. No, no big deal. We'll talk about it next time or, or you know, we'll figure something out. Maybe we'll throw a podcast in at the end of the season. And I said, let me try one more person. And I sent an email to my old professor from the University of Dallas who taught me Old Testament, Dr. Andrew Glicksman, a scholar in wisdom literature, a graduate of UD himself who went on to get his master's and PhD from the Catholic University of America. His wife and I have become friends because of the great ministry she's a part of in Dallas. Mighty is her name. Sent him an email. 24 hours later, I had a response. The next thing I know, I'm sitting down on a Zoom call with a man I've long admired chatting about the Old Testament. And in the course of our conversation was transported right back to the third floor of Braniff on the University of Dallas's campus in Irving, Texas, studying Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, listening to the story of the covenants, understanding what it truly means to know the Old Testament matters. If ever you want to talk to somebody who loves scripture, just sit down with Dr. Glucksman. And if ever you want to talk to somebody who loves the Old Testament and how the Old Testament shows us the New Testament, well, then spend some time with Dr. Andrew Glucksman. And that's what I got to do. And I hope that you enjoy today's conversation because he brings us kind of on a journey through not only why the Old Testament sparked his imagination as a young student, but why reading it today, you and I in the 21st century, why reading it now is so valuable and important. And so I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. I hope you've enjoyed all the stuff we've created for you during this whole Ave Explores the Bible season. You can find all of it over at AveMariaPress.com. 
everything from the podcast and the Facebook Live conversations, the interviews, the articles, the social media exclusives, everything for you on AveMariaPress.com. I hope you find it all. Sign up for the emails. Get everything straight to your inbox every single week. Subscribe to this podcast. Give it a rating and a review. But for right now, I hope you sit back and enjoy this conversation with one of my favorite professors, Dr. Andrew Glixman, the department chair at the University of Dallas. Well, Dr. Glixman, thanks so much for joining us on Ave Explorers. Thanks, Katie. And uh, it's great to be here on your program. Yeah. So full disclosure, Dr. Glixman, you taught me uh, at I the did. University God of bless Dallas. You. <laughs> yes, I loved it. I remember sitting in the, I sit in the, it was the U-shaped desks and I sat in the left-hand corner. That's right. Uh, my right-hand side. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah, I loved remember. It. I mean, you, you're a great teacher. You well, were so you. engaging and dynamic. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So as you said, my name is Dr. Glixman, Dr. Andrew Glixman. I'm an associate professor of theology at the University of Dallas, and I'm currently chair of the theology department here. My specialty is the study of sacred scripture, and in particular, I devote much of my teaching and research to the study of the Old Testament. And within the Old Testament itself, and so this is what happens when you become a scholar, you get more and more specialized. Within the Old Testament itself, I have a special place in my heart for the Old Testament wisdom literature, and much of my my recent research and publications are on the wisdom of Solomon. So the youngest book of the Catholic Old Testament. It's also called the Book of Wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so that's where a lot of my recent publications are in that book. You know, you say wisdom. I remember hearing, you know, that was your specialty when I was your student. I actually, you know how you have passwords for things and you have to like rotate back and forth between (laughs) your passwords. One of my passwords is a passage from wisdom oh, because right. of I thought your you were class. Tell us. I thought you were going to no, tell, tell you what the password. No, no, no. But it's, yeah. it's like, you know, it's a wisdom really? citation. Yeah. Wow. I said it in college. I probably should update my passwords, but yeah, I just kind of go back gonna... and forth because wow. I remember your love. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit about, you know, why you love studying wisdom literature and teaching it. How did you decide you wanted to be a scripture professor? I always like to ask that of scholars specifically. I mean, when you were a 12-year-old kid running around... <laughs> Did you say, I want to study the Bible someday? I mean, where did that come from? Well, it wasn't that early, but I would say my love of scripture began when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So I went to grade school at a Protestant evangelical grade school. Mm -hmm. And there I learned to love scripture. We had to memorize Bible passages every week. And we had these things called sword drills where you, I don't know if you ever heard of this, you, you hold up the Bible And the teacher yells out a verse, a passage, and you have to go, the first one to get it, find it in the Bible, gets a prize. So I love, yeah, I love that as a kid. And then even in grade school, what I came to learn is that I was not an evangelical Protestant, but I was Catholic. And and there was a difference between Catholics and Protestants. (laughs) But what I learned from that school is that's where my love of scripture began. And then continued throughout high school and just love for theology in general. And then in high school, I started watching actually EWTN a lot. And uh, there I encountered Dr. Scott Hahn and Jeff mm-hmm. Cavins and fell in love with the way that they looked at scripture. And then I came to UD for college and declared theology as a major. And my first class, Understanding the Bible with Dr. John Norris, uh, really opened up my eyes to the study of scripture. Really, I fell in love with the study of scripture. And then yeah. the, my other scripture professors here, like Dr. Mark Goodwin, there was a certain point that I just said, I want to be 
Mark Goodwin. I want, mm-hmm. I want to be like Dr. <laughs> Goodwin. I want to do what he does for the rest of my life. And so that's where. So it started when I was a young kid in grade school, but uh, really throughout my education up until yeah. UD. And then I went on to scripture after getting a BA in theology here at UD. I went on to study sacred scripture at Catholic U where I did, got my master's and PhD and then came back to teach at UD, uh, yeah. which I've, I've been here ever since. So full circle. It's a, yeah. It's amazing how that works. God is so good. Yeah. It's a dream come true. So is it strange being the department head for your former professors? Has that ever, you know, like, do you still call them Dr. Goodwin and Dr. Norris? Or do you call them John no. and Mark? I mean, how does that work? First came, when I first came back, I called them Dr. Goodwin and Dr. Norris uh, and, you know, uh, Dr. Malloy. And yeah, but they said, please, no, please call me Mark. <laughs> call me John. And, so I've gotten used to that after being here for 14 years. Yeah, yeah. But it sure. is kind of, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, I am chair of this department. That's amazing. Like, these are like my former professors and I'm colleagues with them. And, you know, we work together on these projects and it's really, um, really a blessing. I love my colleagues here. They're wonderful people. It's a good department. I mean, I can say that from my own experiences there, you were all wonderful moms and dads to us, for sure, uh, as we dove into scripture. And like you said, that understanding the Bible course is so huge for so many UD students. I think a lot of you know students who go off to college, and especially if they maybe came from Catholic education or even just private school where scripture is a part of it, all of a sudden you're looking at things from maybe a more logical perspective, or let's explain this, or who wrote that, or and that matters, as well as just like a casual, perhaps even a more spiritual reading of scripture. How does this right. prayer perhaps affect me today. When you were at CUA, what was the moment where you realized Old Testament was really what captured your your heart and your imagination the most? Actually, it was at UD that I came to love the Old Testament. And I would say it came with, well, just there's some personal reasons here, actually. Yeah. So you might be able to tell from my last name, Glixman, that I have Jewish heritage. So my father is a convert to Catholicism from Judaism. Really? Yes. So I was raised Catholic. Well, my dad converted to Catholicism when I was about 12 or 13 years old. And I just have always been interested in Judaism and the religious roots of Judaism, which also happened to be the religious roots of Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. Catholicism. And also the Old Testament, there's just so much more of it to learn. And I find that Catholics in general don't know it very well. And so I just wanted to better understand the sacred texts of my ancestors and the sacred texts, you know, the foundation of my faith. And while at UD, I took Hebrew so that I could read the Old Testament in its original language. But that's why, where I, I gained my love of the Old Testament. Then I went to Catholic U and then further specialized in it. I don't know yeah. if that answers your whole question. It does. What, I love that. that. I didn't know okay. that. I didn't yeah. know that. And that's, yeah. I mean, that makes it almost even better. It wasn't just an academic interest. I mean, there was no. that personal... Yes. attachment to it. And, you know, in the same way that the Jewish people love the Old Testament, because that's their sacred text, New Testament is where Catholics often direct their attention, whether it's the letters from Paul or diving into the Gospels, or we actually have an episode this season with Jeff Cavins on the book of Revelation, oh, awesome! trying yeah. to understand why that's so confusing. I think in the same <laughs> way that the book of Revelation is confusing to a lot of people, sometimes the Old Testament, we gloss it over. Okay, yeah, we'll read the stories in Exodus. We know what happens in Genesis. We pray the Psalms and the Liturgy of the Hours, but there's so much more there. And if you're doing, you know, Bible in a Year podcast with Father Mike Schmitz, or you're, you're mm-hmm. going through a reading of Scripture every day for a year, I'll admit this, even after taking your class and studying <laughs> theology, sometimes I glance over the Old Testament stuff to get to the 
the good stuff. And I know a lot of our listeners probably do that as well. What would be your advice when it comes to starting to study the Old Testament or wanting to know a little bit more? Where should people begin? Is it a page one of Genesis? Is there a storyline that people should pay attention to? I mean, I guess the question is, how can the Old Testament matter more to the average pew-sitter Catholic who just wants to make the Bible more of a priority? That's a great question. So I think what's important to keep in mind to understand, to put things in perspective of why it's important to understand the Old Testament is, first of all, the old, it's God's word to us, the Bible. It is his holy word, right? It's not just mm-hmm. the New Testament. And of course, the climax to his word, the highest point, is through the revelation of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. But that's like getting half the story, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the most important part of the story, but to get the full story, you've got to read the Old Testament to fully appreciate who Jesus is and what he does and the church. It's important to understand the Old Testament and the relationship between the Old and New Testament. And so, you know, like kind of a bird's eye view, a 10,000 foot view of scripture and why the Old Testament is important and its relationship to the New Testament. It's important to keep in mind that the Bible is an ongoing, it's a story about an ongoing relationship, God's relationship with humanity and with his special people, the Jews, and then eventually with the church. And it's his relationship with each individual, with you Mm -hmm. and me. And that relationship is the way that it is spoken about in the Bible. We can think about it if if we want to look at it in terms of the big picture. It kind of takes this trajectory of an hourglass. It starts out really broad at the Mm -hmm. beginning of Genesis, right? Genesis 1 through 11, really broad. It, It deals with creation and humanity. And then it goes narrower and narrower. And then at the very end, in the New Testament, it goes broad again. And so what this is about is God's relationship with humanity. And then in Genesis 1 through 11, his relationship with humanity, human beings mess things up. They go astray. They break that sacred bond, that relationship. But the rest of the story is about God trying to repair that broken relationship with humanity. And he doesn't do it with humanity as a whole off the bat. He makes these covenants, these promises, mm-hmm. these especially these agreements that involve a very special family bond with individuals, groups of individuals and individuals uh, throughout salvation history. So you start with humanity in Genesis 1 through 11, then you go down to, uh, well, I mean, in Genesis 1 through 11, you also have the covenant with Noah. Then it gets even more narrow, uh, narrow with Abraham, Moses, and the Israelites at Sinai. You have the covenant with David and his line and the promise that God will never remove his favor from David and his descendants, that basically meaning that there's this promise for an everlasting kingship. But when the Davidic monarchy ends, David's line doesn't end, but his Davidic kingship ends with the Babylonian exile, there's this hope for a Messiah, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, An anointed one, an ideal future Davidic figure who's going to save God's people from their enemies and establish God's kingdom on earth forever. And it is through that Messiah, right, the special relationship that God has with his people, that God is going to open up this relationship with all of humanity again. We see that in the early chapters of the book of Isaiah and in other passages as well. But of course, that opens up then to the New Testament. The Messiah, of course, is, you know, from a Catholic Christian perspective, is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so God sends his son, Jesus Christ, to open up that relationship with humanity again, by his suffering and death on the cross. He dies for our sins and rises from the dead, conquers death for us so that we can live with God forever. So one other thing I want to mention here. So in terms of 
understanding the relationship between the Old and New Testament. I, I think one reason why Catholics and, and just people in general don't read the Old Testament is there's just so much of it to read. Mm-hmm. But also there's this, especially for Christians, like the New Testament is about, we see God there sending his son to die on our behalf. He's a very loving, gentle, merciful God. And the Old Testament, you read it and you say, is this the same God as the God of the New Testament? He's like vengeful, right? Wrathful, capricious, smiting people left and right. You know, is this the same God? In fact, we asked this question today, and it was an issue that was around in the early church, right? You got Marcion in the second century, and his, you know, he basically said, no, these are two different gods, right? And it's mm-hmm. proclaimed as a heretical teaching. Now, the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, two different gods, a good God and an evil God, which was, you know, heretical. But what we see, though, is, so the God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament is the same God. But how do we see that? How do we see God of the Old Testament as a loving God? And what it hinges on is this idea of this overarching theme of relationship and covenant. That God, in connection with this idea of covenant, is that God is essentially a loving God. He's a God who loves humanity and loves his people and wants to open up that relationship with humanity through his people. And that is expressed in nearly every passage that talks about God's relationship with his people with, in terms of this covenant. God is a God of, uh, here's a Hebrew word, my favorite Hebrew word. I don't know if you remember this, but chesed. He's a God of chesed. And Mm -hmm. that term chesed, you got a ch when you say it, right? (laughs) If you don't have some phlegm developing at the back of your throat, you're not saying it properly. (laughs) Right. Chesed is, it can be translated or understood in a variety of ways, but it is, it comes down to God's loving kindness, Mm. his favor, his mercy, his love, his faithfulness that no matter what God's people do, right, they break the covenant. And because they break the covenant, there's consequences, right? There's death, there's destruction, there's punishment. But God does not entirely abandon them to death, destruction, and punishment. He longs to open a relationship with them, even Mm. though he technically, by the terms of the covenant, he can walk away, Right. right? You know, he doesn't owe them anything once they break the covenant, but he's a God of love and mercy, a God of chesed. He always wants to open that relationship with them every time they turn away from him. And so this theme of chesed runs throughout the Old Testament. He's a God of love. And of course, we see it come to fruition in the New Testament. Mm. This gift, free gift of self that he does not have to give us, right? He comes down, he sends his son, right? God incarnate comes to die on our behalf and conquer sin for us. And in fact, there's some scholars who think that this term chesed is related to this idea of, of charis, in the New Testament of grace, this free gift of love, this selfless gift of himself in order Mm -hmm. to give himself life to us. Um, And so that is the connection, right? This is why it's important to read the Old Testament because you get the earlier part of the story, this story of a relationship Mm -hmm. and God's deep love for humanity uh, that gets manifested through his people and then manifested back to humanity into the New Testament. And just one last thing I want to mention here. Yeah, of course is that when we say Old Testament and New Testament, we're really talking about Old Covenant, New Covenant. Yeah, There's a connection there, right? Mm -hmm. So the covenant, so the term testament comes from the Latin testamentum, which is basically comes from the, you know, is a translation in the Greek theotheke, which is a translation of the Hebrew berit, which we translate in English as covenant. So when we Mm -hmm. talk about Old Testament, we're talking about the Old Covenant or the Old Covenants, plural that we Mm -hmm. find in that part of scripture. And then when we talk about New Testament, we're talking about the new covenant, 
that Jesus brings. And the old covenant talks about this new covenant, foretells the new covenant in a specific passage, Jeremiah chapter 31, talks about raising the Sinai covenant, the old Sinai covenant to a new level that is to be fulfilled. It's a covenant that is all on God. God takes it all on himself and is characterized by divine forgiveness towards Mm. his people and this intimate knowledge, right? No one will have to be taught how to know the Lord, right? In the sense of this intimate sense. So God gives us this covenant, this new covenant by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to establish that covenant. So that's what's reflected in the New Testament. So all these connections, sorry, I went on there for a while. No, I love it. I mean, that's, that's what we need on a podcast is people who have never bothered to pick it up or who have picked it up and have just set it aside because it got too confusing. Because that's what happens when you explain to us, okay, covenant, that's the word that we're really talking about here. This idea of God's mercy and tenderness, which again, the God of the Old Testament does just kind of seem like an angry guy who's just, and rightly so. I mean, he has every right to be annoyed that the Israelites (laughs) keep messing up. I was just thinking earlier about how, you know, the Old Testament is a snapshot of the worst of humanity, it seems at times. (laughs) God's given you everything and you just are constantly screwing it up. But isn't that all of us kind of every single day? Like I relate more to the people in the Old Testament than I think I ever have to the people in the New <laughs> Testament, except like the perpetual screw-ups that ask all these questions or, yeah. you know, Peter chopping like people's Peter. ears yeah. off. Exactly. Yeah, right. Like the, or you're not, the, or what the reading we had, right? You're the Messiah, but no, you're not going to go suffer and die for right. me. Right, yeah, you know? don't go do that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, right. And that's, I do think that scripture does, and this is perhaps the genius of, of God inspiring sacred scripture, right? That scripture is eminently relatable when we take the time to actually think about it from that human perspective. And sometimes the scholarly work, which we might think is unaccessible to us, is precisely the thing that helps us realize those human things. I mean, you, you're a world-renowned scholar in scripture, and you just gave us a story of the relationship of Christ, which sometimes people don't realize that's truly what theologians do, is they're not just talking heads with, they know all the real words that this all was originally written in. They're trying to help us understand the person of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. If I just heard all of that, and I want to go pick up my Bible and start in the Old Testament, where should I begin as far as reading? Do I go in order from Genesis? Do I take a little bit of the historical books, dig into some wisdom literature, spend a little bit of time in, in different pockets? Or is there a way that you would suggest people tackle it besides mm-hmm. just going and getting a study guide or sitting down and, and auditing a class? Yeah, I think study guide. So, I mean, taking a class would be great, um, <laughs> but uh, the study guides are really helpful to keep you motivated. Because I do think that starting at the beginning is the best place, right? You want to start with Genesis and Exodus, even if you've read them before and and read them a hundred times before or more. And, oh, I know those stories. Mm -hmm. No, sit with the text, read it carefully and read it prayerfully, right? There's different ways to read the text. We can read it for the story, right? Which is also, which is enjoyable, but also read it for the deeper meaning in -hmm. the text and reading it prayerfully, asking the Holy Spirit to help you to understand what are you trying to teach me about God? What are you trying to teach me through this text about you? What are you trying to teach me about myself? What are you trying to teach me about how I can become a better follower of Christ to better know, love, and serve you, right? This is what we call Lexio Divina, Mm -hmm. right? So I would say start in Genesis and Exodus. Leviticus, you know, God love you if you want to (laughs) plod through Leviticus, 
you know, maybe you want to skip over that. Cause I know when I was young, I'd read Genesis and Exodus. Yeah. I'm going to read a Bible in the year. Then I got to Leviticus and I was like, la, 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 <laughs> it's just boring. But now I think it's exciting, but right. back then it was just, you know, Snoresville, like it's just terrible. So skip over Leviticus temporarily, come back to it later, uh, <laughs> numbers, Deuteronomy, and then yeah, read the, the histories, right? Mm-hmm. Joshua, Judges, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings. You don't necessarily have to read these in order, right? But pray the Psalms, the early prayers of the Jewish community, right? And the prayers of the church, the Psalms, the wisdom literature. I'm a big fan of the wisdom literature as well. But in order to get the narrative to connect it with Jesus Christ, especially start at the beginning with the Pentateuch, right? And the histories, the historical books. And then after that, I think you can venture into the wisdom literature. And But I would also encourage, pray the Psalms all the time, right? And just yeah. along with I mean, I think that makes sense why in the um, in the liturgy, we have some part of the Old Testament, a psalm, and then the New Testament right. uh, reading, and then the gospel. Uh-huh. I think that's a good setup there. The church knows what it's doing. Yes, <laughs> Let's exactly. give everybody a no, taste just, of all yeah. of it every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Can you tell us why you love studying the wisdom literature specifically? Because it's a very niche part yeah. of scripture that a lot of people, you know, Song of Songs, okay, it's read at weddings, the Psalms, the priests are praying that every single day, and the nuns. Yeah. The yeah. Book of Wisdom, all these little pithy phrases you could put on a Hobby Lobby sign, but <laughs> but there's there's real scholarship to be done digging into who wrote it and what it meant right. to people. What what's some of your work in that area? Well, let me just so your first question: Why do I love wisdom literature? So it just wisdom literature is really, I mean, it's very practical. It's about succeeding in life, right? That's what the wisdom literature is about, like the proverbs, like these pithy things to try to help you get ahead in life. But getting it ahead and succeeding in terms of material things, sure, but especially in terms of spiritual matters. So it's Mm -hmm. succeeding in the ways of human beings, but in terms of matters of God as well. And that's why the wisdom literature, the first chapter of Proverbs says, wisdom, what is wisdom? It's fear of the Lord. It's fear of God. That's the beginning of wisdom. And fear of God is not just, oh, quaking your boots, being afraid of God. It's deep respect, reverence, and obedience to God. And so what's wisdom? You want to know what wisdom is. First, you fear God, right? You order your life in terms of God, and then everything will fall into place, right? All mm-hmm. these other pithy sayings and things like that, you know, when to keep your mouth shut and things like that. Um, and then the other part of wisdom literature that I really fell in love with and just, so especially when we get to the book of Job and uh, books of Job and Ecclesiastes, these deeper kind of questions, perennial questions, like what is the point of life? Mm-hmm. What is life about? Like in Ecclesiastes and then Job, this question we all go through at some point in in our lives, uh, maybe multiple times, why do bad things happen to good people? And where is God in the midst of Mm -hmm. all that? And how are we to relate to God in the midst of our suffering? And so that's why I really love the Old Testament wisdom literature. And specifically, I, uh, in my studies and in my research and publications, I, I chose to look at the wisdom of Solomon And there's various reasons for that. Uh, It's a great text. It's, as I said, the youngest book of the Catholic Old Testament. And uh, it's one of the deuterocanonical texts, which means one of the seven extra books that Catholics have that Catholics and uh, Orthodox Christians have that uh, is not found in the Protestant canon. And so part of the reason why I gravitated towards the wisdom of Solomon is uh, there just wasn't as much research Mm -hmm. done on it. Uh, because <laughs> Protestants hadn't done research on it. And although I'd say in the last 20 or 30 years, Protestant scholars are becoming more interested in it. 
uh, most of the research was done by Catholic scholars and not many Catholic mm-hmm. scholars. And so I saw a little area there to, to <laughs> take a look at it. But it's just a fascinating text as the youngest text of the Catholic Old Testament, originally written in Greek, probably written in the late first century BC or early first century AD. Uh, what it opens up is a window into Greco-Roman Jewish culture. So mm. Judaism, as it was influenced by Greek thought, Greco-Roman thought, and really becomes this way of opening up into the New Testament. It kind of sets the stage for what Judaism looked like. What one, one yeah. text among many, right? We have other pseudepigraphal texts that help us do that. But here's this biblical text. We have like Sirach, but also the wisdom of Solomon that helps us understand what Jews were doing, what they were believing, how they were teaching their faith just before Jesus comes on the scene and the New Testament mm-hmm. is written. And so that's why it's kind of a way to almost straddle the two Testaments. Yeah. So, I never knew that. Oh, or maybe, well, you didn't maybe take I, my wisdom and Psalms class. I was going to say, I might have to go take that course. I do remember uh, in the UD paper written by a now Cistercian monk across the street, uh-huh. uh, Sirach says, do you remember that little column? I do. I had yeah. no idea who was Sirach. I, no I still have a few of those clippings. I have a box of I all my old UD notebooks, and I still have a few of the papers and a few of those clipped out because they were great. I mean, it very They're wonderful, very nerdy UD thing that we did. Yeah. <laughs> Advice I column with Sirach, but. I mean, there's something special about the University of Dallas, Catholic campuses in general, where there's professors like you who engender this love of your area of study. I mean, I'm sitting here wanting to go dig out my old notebooks and start flipping through them and and start a whole new Bible study with my four-year-old tonight and be like, okay, today (laughs) we're going to learn about this area of covenantal theology. Dr. Glicksman, where can we follow you to keep hearing all of this? I mean, do you have a podcast? Do you have a website, a blog? I mean, what? where can we read your publications? Unfortunately, I have none of that. To follow <laughs> me, you have to come be a student at you UD. Have to go to UD. <laughs> uh, and this is actually, I said this to you earlier, this is my first podcast. So thank you for inviting me. Uh, you never know, this, you're natural. <laughs> this is the first of many, I hope. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe I'll start a podcast. Uh, Y'all we'll should have, you Y'all know, should have, have a UD time. theology professor podcast. I would listen to it. That's a great idea. And they're I super easy to make. I'll, I'll email you some tips. It's super okay. easy. <laughs> yes, please send me your advice. That would be wonderful. But in terms of following me, no, I don't have, uh, <laughs> I mean, I have scholarly articles. I'm hoping to spin off some of my work into more kind of accessible yeah. uh, theology texts. Um, there might be some things in, in the future, but yeah, at the moment, nothing. You have to come study at UD and be a student, yeah. either an undergrad or grad student at the moment. Well, we'll so. put a link to the, I mean, Ave okay. Maria Press is attached to Notre Dame, but I'll convince them to put a link in there for uh, some UD promo at the end. Wonderful. Dr. Glipsman, it was great to reconnect with you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Katie. Wonderful to connect with you. Keep up all the good work that you're doing. We're very proud of you for all that you do. Thank you. I mentioned earlier how sitting down with Dr. Glicksman and having this conversation transported me right back to my college classroom, sitting there taking notes. I actually, when the interview concluded, I went into the closet in my home office and dug out the notebook that was filled with all of my notes from his Old Testament course and was flipping through them and reading some of the very same things that he just said to us in this show that he had said in class. I love when somebody gets animated about their area of study, that it is inspiring to be able to hear somebody really bring to life a part of sacred scripture that we often, and I'll say it, we often ignore it, or we, we're confused by it. Or like he said, we think it's two different gods, and I don't want to read about angry God. I don't want to read about mean God. I just want to read about loving, merciful God. But then when you actually dig into the text and you dig into the Hebrew And you see the theme that continues through of merciful God. Well, 
I mean, that right there should hopefully be enough to make you go grab your Old Testament. By the way, if you want to dig into scripture more and you want to take notes while doing it, you should grab a copy of the Ave Catholic Note-Taking Bible. You can use code AEXBIBLE for 20% off and free shipping over on the Ave Maria Press website. Grab a copy of that note-taking Bible. Use it to journal. Use it to study. Use it to pray. Dig into the Old Testament. Listen to this podcast and go find some of those passages that Dr. Glucksman was talking about. And sign up for our entire Ave Explorers series on the Bible over at AveMariaPress.com. I think you'll really love what we've created for you. And hey, if you liked this podcast, share it with a friend, share it with a student, share it with somebody that you think would benefit from hearing all about how Old Testament really does bring to life a whole other part of sacred scripture that challenges us and, and shows us ultimately the covenant that we are called to have with God the Father. Thanks so much for listening this week. As always, we'll be back next week with lots more. Next week, of course, digging into the New Testament. Can't wait for you to hear our guests' conversations about everything from the Gospels to the Book of Revelation. So stick around for all those conversations. Always a joy to have you with me here on Ave Explorers. Tune in next week for lots more. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you soon. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.